Hi, this is Bob Hollis. Welcome back to Big Fish Little Pod. And we have another special guest today. It's Becca Green, who's coming from us all the way out from out in Colorado, right? Yeah. Are you up in the mountains right now? Uh, more like next to them. I live in Colorado next Springs. <laughs> we particularly wanted to bring Becca on today because of the work that she's doing. She's working with folks with COVID-19. And Becca, tell us what you're up to right now for work. I am a caregiver at an assisted living facility in Denver. So I drive about an hour twice a day to go up to Denver and I work with folks um, in a memory care unit, which means every single person in my unit has either dementia or Alzheimer's. And I started there because uh, I lost my job as a substitute teacher when the virus hit and everything kind of shut down. And so it's all new to me. Um, I didn't realize that. It really inspired me. And because of it, because of it, I decided I would go back to school to be a nurse. Wow. Um, oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. I did not realize that. So you were in Colorado as a, working as a substitute teacher. And then because of coronavirus, you've switched vocations. Yes. Wow. Wow. What a thing to step into in the midst of it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. When I started, I uh, we had 11 cases of COVID and we've lost about seven individuals in the past two and a half weeks. Oh, wow. wow. And can you share with us, like, what did that look like in the beginning? Like when you first kind of came in on your, like, what does your first day look like? My first day was definitely a whirlwind. I uh, was told ahead of time about the COVID there and I decided to go anyway. You know, I walked in and my, the person who trained me just blew through everything and she had to because we were in such a rush because um, everyone, we, they had lost multiple coworkers for two weeks because they had COVID as well. So they had to be uh, quarantined and I was kind of a filler. So I came in and it was just, you know, anyone with a stop sign on their door has COVID. There's 11 of them. You know, we already lost one. Here's what it looks like. Here's what you need to wear. And I just kind of had to like keep up with her the whole night. It was (laughs) really quick and it was really crazy. And I was super nervous because I didn't know, you know, I didn't really know how, aggressive it was I didn't know if I was going to be okay but I just you know I put my mask on and my gown on and I you know was going in anyway and meeting these people for the first time and learning how to deal with dementia and Alzheimer's also at the same time so it was definitely trying to juggle all of that in one night (laughs) wow my goodness yeah and that's such an interesting aspect of it too so the people that you're caring for, how aware are they of this situation? There's only about two of them that know that there's a virus going on. Mm-hmm. And even one of them is very confused. The rest of them are very much, they don't know what's going on. So we have to, it breaks my heart, but we have to keep them in their rooms right. uh, because it's set up like a hallway and they all have doors. And so... Right. 
you know, if they're, they're coming out because they're adults and they're allowed to, they're allowed to come out of their own door, but we have to like escort them back and they, they don't know why they have to stay in their room. They don't know why the dining room is closed. They don't know why they're not allowed to see any family or, you know, they don't know why they have to talk to people through the window, not actually coming to visit or going outside. Um, So that breaks my heart, but I always have to tell them, you know, oh, there's like a really bad cold going around. We don't want you to get it. And then five minutes later, they asked me the same question. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So, gosh, so much, so much in just all of that. Um, Were you, were you uh, afraid? I was definitely nervous before I did it. I'm less nervous now. Yeah. I just kind of, I know these people now, I know their routine, I know what they like and what they don't like. And I just, I just come into it and I know what I'm supposed to wear and I just need to get them through the days is what I need to do. And I need to protect the ones who don't have it and I need to contain and help the ones who do have it so they can potentially recover. So now I'm not as afraid. I just kind of go into it and do my best. Yeah. Well, I forgot to say in the introduction that I met you as Wilbur the pig in Charlotte's <laughs> Web. And, and I was impressed <laughs> with how this tiny little girl played Wilbur on the stage and brought this, made this pig <laughs> lovable. Um, but I, I'm just, I'm, I sit in awe for the work that you entered into and seem to do just as part of who you are. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it feels, I'm not not trying to be dramatic, but it feels reminiscent of, you know, people who signed up for the war after Pearl Harbor. Like that's how it feels to me. Yeah. You know, we definitely talk about it in those terms. Wow. Yeah. We we talk about it. Like this is kind of like a war, you know, we're trying to, keep as many people alive as possible, but they're, the virus is taking them down one by one so quickly. And um, my supervisor even said, you know, in the future, we're going to talk about this like war vets do, yeah. you know? Yeah, definitely. So uh, along that line, how are you dealing? You said seven people. Do you, do you know all seven of those folks who died? Uh, I met, I think all seven. that passed away from COVID. Um, But there's the whole building and then there's this one wing that is memory care. And that's where all the COVID cases are. And that's where I only go in the building because that, yes. And that, because that part of the building is on complete isolation from the rest of the building right now. Right. So there was about, there was 21 individuals in that wing residents that, were there that I met. And then within the two and a half weeks that I've been working there, we've lost a third of them. Wow. Wow. So how do you process that each day? It, the nerve wracking part when I go into work is when I ask for an update, Mm -hmm. you know, when I walk in and I say, okay, what has happened? So I know, so they might say like, Oh, so-and-so fell or, you know, so-and-so has been trying to go into other people's rooms. 
Um, but the hardest one is when I'm waiting for them to tell me like, all right, who passed away? Yeah. Because there's been days where I've come in and they're like, all right, this person went to the hospital. This person went to the hospital. This person passed away and this person got put on hospice and this person got put on oxygen and it's all at once. And it's all these people and you're, you just, Oh no. And you don't know like when they go to the hospital, if they're going to come back and you, you know, and then when someone's passed away, you didn't get to, you didn't get to see them again. Like if you've really built a rapport with them. Right. And what does that look like on your hour drive home? I mean, are you, for your own preservation, are you just kind of shutting it off? Like when you leave and trying, I mean, are you listening to like uplifting music and just trying to shift gears? It definitely depends on the shift. So, you know, if my shift was just really taxing on me, I might just listen to some uplifting music on the way home. But I think just because my shifts are, you know, long and stressful. So I get kind of tired on the drive home. I call family. And if someone passes away and I'm there to witness it, I usually call a a family member and talk about it because yeah. 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 Wow. So obviously what we're talking about mostly here is spiritual stuff. And I mean, I think most people, death is spiritual you know just by nature um because it's kind of this transition for all of us but how Mm -hmm. have you seen your faith or spirituality play a part in these two and a half weeks it's played a big part surprisingly i brought a bible with me because the during my training they said you know you are during the nature of this job you are going to see people pass away and I was really nervous about that. So I was bringing a Bible to work every day just in case someone passed away. And I didn't know what I brought it for, but <laughs> I just brought it. And there was one day where my um, someone was clearly on their last hours. And my supervisor asked me if I would sit with her for the rest of my shift. And I brought the Bible in and I read to her from John chapter three because I didn't really know what to do. And then I started singing victory in Jesus. And by the end of the chorus, she had passed away. So um, any, any person I know that is religious, I do that for them and I hold their hand and I talk to them. And if they're not religious or they don't believe in Christianity specifically, and I don't know what to do for that, then I usually um, so far I have spoken to family members and asked, is there a message you want me to give them? You know, if I can, I can't always contact the family, but, you know, if they call and I answer the phone, I always say, you know, is there a message you want me to tell them? And they relate to me and I go in and I hold their hand and I tell them what their family members are saying to them right now. And, you know, I make sure that they feel very, very loved and they're not alone. Um, so, and for some of them, it's what they need to hear because sometimes they just, they hold on for too long and then they they hear that passage or they hear that message and then within minutes they pass away yeah yeah oh i mean it's just mind-boggling how your life has just taken this 180 like just to picture you i mean (laughs) dad has been doing this for decades right and it's still he i remember 
for my ministerial school, one of the things I had to do was go with a hospice worker or a minister. So I went with dad to a nursing home where someone was, was going to pass away soon. And before we opened the door, dad told me, you know, this is the one area, one of the areas of my ministry where I take a step and I don't know what I'm going to find when my foot lands. You know, like when you open the door, you don't know if you're going to find a family going through old political drama and like arguing with each other. You're going to find a peaceful room where people are singing. You're going to find a person in pain. You're going to find a person who's peaceful. Like that this is really a moment of surrender for him every time where he just has to lean on God because he doesn't know what's going to be on the other side of that door. And that felt like a huge weight to me for someone who had been doing this for decades. But for you to be doing that within days of like a new job, I mean, wow, it's really, it's really interesting the position that you find yourself in. Yeah, it's very different than anything I expected. Well, how has, like, I guess I'm looking at that moment where there's life and then there's not life, you know, and it happens sometimes gradually and sometimes quickly but you know when the person's no longer there Mm -hmm. how does that hit you and what have you learned it it's a lot less scary than I thought witnessing it personally um being in the room some I mean it's always different everyone goes in different ways and the the very first person I witnessed passing just you know their breathing became shallower and further apart and then eventually just stopped yeah whereas you know somebody else that i witnessed was wouldn't stop moving they were very uncomfortable they would keep making noises keep reaching out that one was hard to watch um but it you know i'm there i'm usually very nervous beforehand and then once they pass it just the weight all kind of hits me and then, you know, everyone who's on shift cries about it and goes into the room and says goodbye to that person and talks to them. And, you know, we all just kind of band together on our shifts to do that. Yeah. And we, we all usually cry about it, even if we didn't know who they were, uh, just because we understand that they were someone and they were loved. Yeah. But it always gives my heart a jerk when I, when we know that someone's going to pass. And so I have to go check on them every hour. So every time mm-hmm. I open the door, mm-hmm. my heart jolts a little bit because I'm like, are you still breathing or are you gone? You know, I don't know what's behind the door. Yeah. Yeah. I've gotten the nickname, the angel of death at work (laughs) (laughs) because I keep either finding them or I'm the last one to talk to them. Yep. 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 Which is ultimately a compliment, but, uh, they mean it as such, but they're glad they, they're not the ones doing it. Right. Based on what you've said, I'm glad you are the one that's doing it. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. It's also just, it's, that's something that was really present in my childhood, like, because dad was constantly doing funerals, like, 
just the idea of death was very present. And I, I mean, so many memories around the kitchen table of him coming back and me like eating a snack and me just asking like, how old was the person? What were they like? How did they die? And him just kind of telling me the story of either someone he had just been with who passed away or someone's funeral he had done who he had never even met. And I think that is a really interesting part of ministry, which I would definitely include what you're doing, Becca, as ministry, mm. that like death is so present, but then also so normal, you know? Yeah. Definitely feeling my mortality lately. Yeah. Yeah. So what effect does that have on you facing your mortality? Uh, it's definitely giving me an insight to the things I want to change in life, you know, the way I want to take care of myself, the way I want to live my life, and the way I want to go. <laughs> you know, the way I want to yeah. leave this world is uh, yeah. is definitely becoming more and more apparent. Yeah. Yeah. Can we shift? I mean, we could ask a million questions about your day-to-day -day life, but I'm wondering, I'm picturing you coming in that day with the Bible. So, I mean, what made you bring the Bible? I, I brought it because I'd never really, I've never been in the room when a person has passed or even just after. I think the only thing I can think of is my grandmother's wake, but I was seven. So, you know, it's kind of fuzzy to me and it just felt like, I don't know if I felt that they needed the comfort or that I needed the comfort, but I was like, if there's going to be death, I feel like I need the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's sweet. It's like, you know, you bring your hand sanitizer and your mask and your Bible, you know, it's like. Yeah. <laughs> and so is the Bible something that you read? I mean, do, is that an active part of your life? Uh, I do read it, but not in the same way I think other people do. I don't, I don't take it word for word, literally. And I don't, you know, I don't hang on every single verse as the truth. Um, but I definitely think there's value in the book. And uh, I do read it for the lessons and for the comfort that it might provide. Yeah. So, so how did how did faith start for you as a child? Uh, I was definitely born into it. Um, I grew up in a conservative Christian household, and we went to church twice on Sundays. Uh, we grew up Baptist, uh, and then around high school, we kind of switched churches to non-denominational. And okay. I was just listening to the podcast where Andrew was on yeah. your podcast, and he mentioned his the script, right? The script as a child that he followed, and I definitely connected with that. You know, uh, as a child, I knew, I knew what I was supposed to do. I knew the answers I was supposed to say. Yeah. I knew, I just, I, I knew the programming. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and I followed that to a T when I was a kid and didn't really try to question it. It was, it was like, they told me this, therefore it is fact. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that's, that's really how faith began for me. But now looking back on it, I realized that, you know, I didn't really have a personal relationship with God. It was very fear-based. Yeah. 
I think, and that later on is going to be where my questioning and my searching comes from, because it was, to me, it was, I follow this programming because if not, I burn. Wow. And so it was very fear-based that I didn't realize until I was older. And that's no one's fault. It's just the way that it developed for me. Yeah. Wow, interesting. Yeah. Huh. So when did that when did you kind of veer from the script? Uh, I would say college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. College is where I started asking really big questions. And, you know, I did it in class too. I just, you know, I would question everything everyone told me. And right. then I started doing it with myself. And I was like, what, you know, now that I'm out here in the world I'm like what do I believe what do I think what are my morals and then I started asking really really big questions of faith that either people didn't want to answer or they couldn't answer wow and that's when doubt started to just like overwhelm me Mm. so talk a little bit about that what what does that mean doubt overwhelmed me yeah, doubt like doubt that God existed, doubt that the story you knew of God existed. Uh both, definitely both. I I started to see ugly sides of my brothers and sisters in Christ just being really aggressive about what they believed and really anti anything else and so that kind of hurt me because i was like there are so many good people out there that believe in other things you know why are you being so mean and then and then i started to see what i felt were flaws in the system um i saw this giant condition in the unconditional love i was taught you know love me or burn (laughs) and you know and then I started to see all these really aggressive stories in Christianity that I just wasn't okay with because I couldn't believe in a God that I felt I had more morality than and and so then did that inspire you to turn towards non-belief or did you start experimenting with other spiritual paths I still at the time I still believed in God I was just questioning Christianity Mm -hmm. and then I started to explore you know other branches of religion I was really you know reading articles and reading books and things like that to try and figure out you know maybe I belong to a different religion. I don't know. And then, and then I started to look at Buddhism really closely and I fell into that. But at the same time, Buddhism and science have a lot in common. So then I started to look at science and I was trying to fit faith around science somehow. And, you know, I was asking so many questions and getting so confused. And then I, you know, I finally got to the point where I just said, you know what? It's, it's not, it's not real. Like God's not real. I'm not religious. You know, I'll do Buddhism because it's a really great way of life and they don't ask you to believe any in anything. And, um, yeah. And I just kind of was like, God's not real. I'm not religious. 
it all felt like a big scam to me. I felt lied to my whole life. And it was just, it was a really discouraging time. Wow. And can I ask, like, were you sharing this exploration with your family at the time? Uh, A little bit with my sisters, but that was pretty much it. Yeah. Family-wise. And so then what arc did you take to go from that to bringing a Bible with you? <laughs> it's It was not an arc. It was a spike. <laughs> it was right. a complete cliff. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> well, tell us. Um, I love to tell you. So I have a best friend back in Ohio, which is where I went to college. And her name is Bethany and she was getting engaged. So her fiance flew me out to do the pictures um, and to surprise her. And I wanted to, I was only there for a few days and I wanted to spend as much time with her as possible. And one of the nights after she got engaged, I was with her and her fiance and another friend of ours and they were all Christians and I didn't feel like I was anymore. So, you know, we were talking about it and I asked all these really big questions that they were really working hard to try and answer for me. We stayed up so late talking about faith and trying to answer my questions. And, you know, I left that night feeling, you know, I want it. You know, I wanted God. I wanted religion, but I just couldn't. I felt like I couldn't go back to it. I felt like I was too far gone. And, you know, I asked, I asked them to pray for me if that's what they wanted to do. But I just like, I missed God and I missed prayer, but I was, there were just too many questions that I wasn't okay with the answers. Yeah. And because I wanted to spend as much time as possible with my friend, I went to church the next day because her father's a pastor So we went to her home church and I felt like such an outsider. I was like, I don't belong here. This is weird. Um, But I went anyway, because her family is just so lovely. And Mm. we were at the church. Her father preached the sermon at the end of the service. We were coming up on the end and he was talking about baptism And he said, I've never done this before, but, and we don't redo baptisms. That's not a thing. They don't have an expiration date. Right. But if you want to reaffirm your faith, if you want to restate to God your faith in him, if you want to just proclaim it to the church, even you can come up and I'll baptize you. And he had a bowl of water from the Jordan River. And then they played a song. They were playing contemporary music the whole service. But then they played a song that I hadn't heard since I was like a really little kid. Which was Victory in Jesus. Yeah. And I loved that song. It was always so bouncy and so like (laughs) uplifting. And, you know, it's, it's the whole story of... Jesus. And I was singing it, but I was actually listening to the words. And time kind of stopped for a second during the song. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And my mind went a million miles an hour. It was going over all the research I had done, all the books I had read, like, because all of a sudden I had tears running down my face. Yeah. But I wasn't crying. Yeah. I was like, what is happening? And, you know, I had just read The Case for Christ and I had just done a bunch of research on Jesus. And I was really looking, even though I said I didn't believe anymore, I was still kind of looking. And I had this moment where I was like, okay, you know, scientists and historians agree. (laughs) Jesus existed. He was a person. There was a person named Jesus who died on the cross by Pontius Pilate. That that's a thing that happened. And he had ample opportunity to say, no, I'm wrong. I don't want you to kill me. I'll do what you ask. But he didn't. And he died on the cross believing whatever he believed. And so I just had this crazy moment where I was like, okay, let's say for argument's sake, he was crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, let's mm-hmm. say for argument's sake, he was nuts. He didn't know what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. The love that a person would have to feel mm-hmm. to willingly do that anyway, mm-hmm. just like, just hit me. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, even if he is crazy, he still did it. And he still felt that love. That love still existed. Mm. Even if none of it's real. Mm. And so then in that moment, I just felt all of that love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I felt it. And I felt so at peace. And I felt like I had forgiven myself and been forgiven. And I felt loved, so loved. And I actually started choking on the words of the song and I couldn't get them out anymore. And I think about three people went up to do this reaffirming of the baptisms and things like that. And while I was feeling this peace, this joy, this love, I was thinking to myself, you know what? Even if it's not real, if this brings me any ounce of happiness, any ounce of forgiveness, any ounce of love that I feel right now, if I feel this at all ever again in my life, even just a little bit, it's a good thing. Mm. It's a good thing. And so in that moment, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to believe and I'm just going to, because if it makes me happy, then it's a good thing. And so I don't know what possessed me to do this because two things. I I don't cry in public <laughs> and I don't really like to like the only way I'm in front of a crowd is if, as you know, Bob, if I'm acting. <laughs> Absolutely. Which is a sign of many good actors. And so that's the only way I'll be in front of a crowd. And I walked up to the front of the church and yeah. got, baptized by my best friend's father under the waters of the Jordan river. Wow. And it was just, it, like you said earlier, a complete 180 of my life again. Yeah. <laughs> and that's been it ever since pretty much. Wow. 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 So 
Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Of course. Uh, so nice. It's, it's such a hard thing to put into words how a scientist or a, a, a person of reason can have those things happen that are not really explainable, you know? And I'm done trying to explain it. You know, I'm yeah. done. In that moment, I was like, I'm not going to try and figure it out. I'm not going to try and reason yeah. with it. It's, you know, science doesn't care about your opinion or whether you believe in it. It's just, it is, yeah. it just is. And so I'm like, science is there. Faith is there. I'm not going to try and connect them. I'm just going to be okay with both. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Awesome. No, I love that so much. It's it's really nice. It, you really articulated it well because I think yeah, absolutely. any of us who have had that experience, like I could feel, I could feel my own experience <laughs> in your words, you know? Yeah. It's, it's so nice. And so from that, how, when was that? How long ago was that? That was December. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Wow, and then God had this whole plan for your life. So how has it been for you in that transition? I mean, like, are you, I'm assuming that you picked up habits or lifestyles from Buddhism or from the other kind of paths that you investigated, like, or you even mentioned the Bible might mean a little bit different to you than it does to the average person. Like, how have you found that integration? Uh, it's been, it's been up and down. I know when I first went back to church as just by myself, I felt like a phony. Yeah. And I told my yeah. sister, I said, I feel like I'm a Christian for the first time. Yeah. Even though I was until I was, you know, yeah. 18 or 20 before, you know, I, yeah. for the, this, it feels so different this time around. And, Good. you know, I still practice Buddhism as a way of life and I still really resonate with that um but I also pray and like I think a lot of people aren't gonna like the fact that I quote cherry pick the bible unquote Uh (laughs) (laughs) but even still I think it's a great tool for the religion I just don't view it as a historical document or like a rule book. I think right. everyone has, I think everyone yeah. needs to come to faith and come to the father in their own ways yeah. and they need to have their own relationship. And I think the Bible tells you how to have a specific relationship. Amen. And I think everyone just needs to have their own. And so mine is a combination of Buddhism and Christianity and, you know, nice having this really wonderful, loving relationship that's not based on fear. Nice. Gosh, it's, yeah, I mean, I really just have to appreciate you because I feel like I'm having a similar experience that I did when we talked to Andrew and our last guest. It it just makes me want to be more myself. You know, hearing your story makes me want to be more of myself because I think, I thought that I was weird and was afraid to share the somewhat contradictory, seemingly contradictory aspects of my faith. And yeah, so it's just really nice to not feel alone, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and to hear other people's stories that are equally as complicatedly beautiful, (laughs) you know. 
Yeah. And, and I pray to God whenever I pray about church and I pray to God for this generation that left church much for the same reason you did, because it was mean um, and it was not open and accepting and sent people to hell. And I pray that this generation might be able to establish something that is based on the love that you felt. Wow. Yeah, what a wonderful <laughs> story. Thank nice. you. So um, one thing I asked you, I don't know if you've got a chance to think about it, but were there resources or recommendations, things you read or saw or listened to along the way that you would recommend to others? Yes, I would. <laughs> um, I would say if you're really searching and you're trying to figure out God, there is a book that I read. It's called There Is No God and He Is Always With You. <laughs> oh, cool. What a good title. Awesome. Um, a Search for God in Odd Places. That's the subtitle. Awesome. It's by it's by Brad Warner. And also wherever you go, there you are. Yeah. I don't have the author in front of me, but I'm sure you, you can find it pretty that. easily. Yeah. So those are the two main books that I really poured into during nice. my search. Nice. Well, thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you so much. Of course. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so this week, dare to take a look at what you believe and challenge yourself to say, you know, I love my faith or I hate my faith, but these are the things that I don't like about it. And Instead of looking at your church or your gathering, whatever it may be, look at yourself and say, what is it that I believe? And dare to challenge yourself to say, what am I not happy with? And what is it that God's trying to lead me to that will bring me that kind of happiness? Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Big Fish Little Pod. We are having such a great time making this podcast and we're really appreciating all of the feedback and input that we get from you. Please comment on the podcast post on my dad's Facebook page or send us an email at bigfishlittlepod at gmail.com. Thanks. See you next time.